morning. As we step into First uh, John chapter two, and we think upon the goodness of God, I I think of a conversation between Peter and Jesus, and Jesus says, "Satan wants you," and that reminded me of what God said to Cain: "Sin is crouching at the door, and it wants you." And this amazing passage that we get to look at today. It's about an advocate that stands in the gap. That no matter, no matter what happens in life and death, no matter how we mess up, how we've sinned and how we fall short, that Jesus, the advocate, is there. And he says this to Peter, but I prayed for you. How cool is that? I hope and pray you had a good week. It was nice and cold, right? <laughs> Able to come together and warm up together and, and study the scripture. And if you want to join us for an interesting study about worldviews downstairs, 9 to 10. It went long today, but it was really, really good. Because <laughs> it's much needed information of knowledge of darkness, knowledge of Satan's crafty ways. Helps us to understand how can we better save those POWs, not save them, but offer them salvation through Christ alone. How, how can we walk into those lives? How can we build relationships and build bridges into our world? But enough of the sales pitch, right? <laughs> a movement is a part of life, right? We actually talked about that, right? Our rite of passage as you know, Western Americans in this area, at least, is about getting that driver's license, right? We, we learn to walk, we learn to run, we learn to ride a bike, and then we learn to drive a car. Yeah! I still remember my Crown Vic, man. That thing was awesome. <laughs> yeah. My dad didn't think of it too awesome when I wrecked into a couple things of his. But <laughs> yeah, I drove off to work. I think that was the better part, right? I drove off to school. Got further away from his garage. Stop dinging that thing. <laughs> it was the cousins, I promise you. They were in the back seat both times, okay? <laughs> but then we'd get to drive home one day and we get to journey out and about after, you know, we get to drive home after journeying about and about, out and about from shopping and enjoying a dinner out. It's all so fun. Movement is a part of life here and now. It's a big part of life. And it's even a big part of believers as our walk in Christ. A friend of mine in college would ask me from time to time, Ben, how's your walk? And I think about him all the time. His name's Paul. Looked like a hippie. Probably was one too, but he was a fun, good guy. As I was looking at Goodwill movies the other day, I saw Passion of the Christ in there a couple of times and I remember telling friends, you know, I was an unbeliever and I wanted to go see this movie about Romans. And he would told me about that later. He's like, man, we were so praying for you because you were going to go see the passion of the Christ. And I was like, you know, I was more interested of the Romans at the time I came to Christ. And then I was more interested about Jesus later. You know, it's such a, an interesting look at, at a part of life that I'm like, yeah, you know, centurion stuff, crucifixion. All right. Who's this guy raising from the dead? You know, it kind of just, you know, there's a veil there, but then you come to him and you realize who he is. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the risen one. 
And then the movie has an entirely different perspective because he comes to seek and to save all of us. It's a great question, right? How's your walk? Because our walk with the Lord is yet another measure before the church. As we gather, as we sing, as we study the word, as we're encouraged and equipped, are we ready to go out? Is this a, an area that we can just come together and be sharpened and kind of yeah, get all those rough edges out, get sharpened, you know, able to go out there and engage the world and engage the world views that we find ourselves in and among because it's part of the culture. We're like fish in that. We swim in it, but we're not to be of it. Our walk, our sanctification is the here and now. It's where the rubber meets the road, right? I've always enjoyed that saying. Jesus states it like this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And we're not called just to take the get out of hell free card, right? But to follow the Lord of lords and the King of kings, we are to deny ourselves in this walk. We are to carry our cross. Like what John Strott says about the cross is that everyone has got a different shape, size, or, or a big load or everything. And we're kind of like, well, they got, you know, or like Peter at the end of the Gospel of John. What about him? No, Peter, worry about you, right? I can relate to Peter sometimes. Oh, we got a bigger burden over there. <laughs> we got a huge burden that here that I'm dealing with. I got you. Trust me. Walk with me. Carry the cross and walk with him. Follow him, not our hearts, not our passions. As we accept who he is and as we accept what he has done for us, we see that in Jesus all of our sins are washed away. And we have been called out to be this awesome thing called a workmanship. Thinking of, of God as a craftsman going into our lives and and like a surgeon, right? He is the good shepherd, the good surgeon that, and just taking away this sin or that thing or dealing with the rooms, right? Christ, my heart, home, little, little booklet back in the day. And no, oh, no, Jesus, don't go into that closet. I got things in there I don't want you to touch or see, you know. He wants to wash it all away. He wants to craft us in such a way to give him glory throughout all of our lives, no matter what work we have, what thing we do, that we can point to him, that we can follow Jesus and walk with him. The amazing thing about it is that this is also by grace, right? It's not by sheer force and pulling up our bootstraps or getting our suspenders all tight and just going for it, right? No, Paul says it like this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Talking about, you know, waiting rooms, right? And need Novocaine? I'm like, yeah, amen to that. We'll take that any day. But who likes waiting? Anybody? No, right? You know, Walmart's pretty fun when you're getting your tires and your oil changed because you got toys and stuff to look at. You can go view the movies for like the three hours. They're keeping you there. Buy something else. <laughs> you know. What? Or yes, yes. Or you could drop it off and then go to the zoo. That's so we, we cheated. That was a cheat day. <laughs> But Paul tells the church this, that once you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus, know this, that he will bring it 
bring this good work about to completion. And that's the part that you need to notice. Completion does not come until the day of Christ Jesus. Until we see him face to face, we need to walk, or sorry, we need to work on our walk. But we are not alone in it. You know, we are together. The choice is ours. Like any age of the church before us, do we heed the call? Do we deny ourselves or do we deny the master? Do we seek to build upon the foundation found in Christ or do we seek our own way? Let's uh, go to prayer before we turn to 1 John. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that though our sins, they be many, your mercy is more. Lord, thank you that all of our sins are washed away in Christ Jesus. That as we go on in 1 John, that as we learn how to be a part of this awesome household of the family God, of the family of God that we are born into by Christ, by grace, through faith. That as we go further in and further up, that we would know that it's by grace too. That it is by your mercies that we can be a living sacrifice and be renewed in our thinking and be transformed in our ways and not conformed to the world. But to be not of this world. To be out of the camp like you, your son was crucified outside of the camp. That we would know that, yes, they hated you and that they will hate us. And that we would walk like the apostles did, that they rejoiced in their sufferings and tribulations because they had peace in you. And no matter what comes our way, sickness, health, lots of money, no money, all the things, Lord, that we would know that you are faithful throughout all generations and that we can proclaim the goodness of God. Now be with us in this time. Rid us of distractions, of, of things that you know have went on this last week and, and things coming this week, Lord, that we would take time to just study your word together. And thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to study your word together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 2. Like chapter one went fast, right? That's like the month of January. It's gone, right? <laughs> A couple more days. But first John chapter two uh, will be in verses one through six. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for all our sins, for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments.
Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfect. perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. A one Bible study overview book says it like this. John, the beloved apostle, with a pastor's heart, writes to his little children, which is found six times in the book, and beloved ones in the faith, which is found five times in the letter. See, John is, is the eyewitness, right? He's the eyewitness of the life made manifest, and he wants to encourage the believer in Christ. He wants them to continue on, to go further in and further up. John overall wants the believer in Christ to know that there is an advocate because there is a standard. You know, we looked at that holy, perfect standard last week. In verse 1, he states this, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I love this because John comes to the church writing as a father, having a heart for them in their walk. So first and foremost, they would be about this. They wouldn't sin. That they would hear what, what Paul says as well. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 6. Paul's dealing with the mindset here. Romans 6, verses 1 through 6, he states this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Is that the reasoning, right? Is that the thought in our minds? And he states, by no means. It's the strongest word in Greek that he can say, meganoida, may it never be, Right? How can we who died to sin still live in it? That's a great question, right? You know, you're dead to something while you live in it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, right? And that's, and that's what the walk is about, is, is walking in the newness of life. We should not think that our sin is somehow purposed for grace going forward. That, well, I'm just going to mess up here so I can, you know, give glory to God. I'm like, no, by no means, right? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> you know, don't do it, right? Don't think like that. We don't have an, an advocate so we can go on in an enslaved lifestyle. But to live in the newness of life found in that advocate. John also wants them to know this as well. That if anyone sins, there is an advocate. You know, and I like the Googling, right? You Google those words. What, what, what does advocate mean? We have an upholder, a protector, a spokesperson for 
a fighter for. I like that, you know. Jesus is up there. <laughs> Christ Jesus is our advocate. He fights for us. He stands in the gap. He is with the Father. And we in Christ are no longer condemned. For the one who died is more than that. He is risen and he is at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding for us right there. Now it's cool because this actually gives you a perspective of, well, what's Jesus doing right now? We know what he's done. What's he doing right now? He's interceding for us. Jesus is our high priest who is able to save to the uttermost whomever draws near to him. He lives to make intercession for them. And that's, that's found in Hebrews 7.25. It's an amazing little verse that tells you this is what Christ has done and this is what Christ is doing. Because he has entered heaven itself before God on our behalf. And the awesome thing is that we have Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit who searches our hearts and intercedes for us even when the pain is too hard to even, to even utter. But he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And when we are down and out and when the struggle is real, we know that we have an advocate, the man Christ Jesus, the one mediator between man and God. John goes on in verse 2 of 1 John stating this. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I love this. He's, he's the mediator. He's the advocate. He is the propitiation. Propitiation is defined as an act of gaining or regaining favor or goodwill with someone or something. Now, it's interesting if you watch a lot of different movies out there, there's always like this point of like, how do we fix this, right? How do we fix this broken world? How do we fix this, you know, one little problem storyline of what's going on? And there's always some kind of weird solution, some kind of hero, some kind of, you know, mosaic figure or even Christ-like figure that pops in and says, you know, this is it. But it's interesting that all of those are false, Right? You know, they might be a good story. It might, you know, be a good popcorn movie that we can watch. But at the same time, looking at this world and saying what's wrong with it. And then, oh, this person or that thing or this idol can't fix it. It's like putting duct tape on a bullet hole. No, you need to go to the doctor, right? <laughs> you need to go to the good shepherd. The way to look at it is that Jesus is the covering He's the umbrella that if we step in, we are hidden in him. We are no longer condemned, right? The wrath of God pours upon him and him alone, and those in him are justified. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is able, and he is the one and only that is able to bring peace and goodwill to those who trust him. Those in Christ gain favor and 
unmerited favor. Only by the blood of Jesus can we be brought near. For Christ is whom God put forward. I love that. He put forward to the entire world to be received by faith. This is the righteousness of God made manifest apart from the law. And the amazing thing about it is that it shows the righteousness of God who is both just and the justifier of those who trust in Christ Jesus. God offers this free gift to the world. As John the Baptist states, clearly, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He, in fact, states it like this, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. As Jesus is crucified, as he dies, and as he is risen from the dead, and as he ascends to heaven, no one can say he's just some mere man, or some myth, or some eh, misunderstood rabbi. No, the question is, right now in, in this world, is do you agree with him or not on who he clearly states he is? He is God in the flesh, come to ransom humanity. That's the amazing cry of Christianity, the proclamation of Christianity to the entire world. In Christ, the slain Lamb of God, there is forgiveness of sins. Repent and believe upon him. But as we talked about in Sunday school today, oh, freedom is elsewhere. Ah, run away, right? This is the proclamation to the world to accept or reject. John turns now to the subject of knowing him. In verse 3 of 1 John chapter 2, he states this, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And verses like this are always like, you know, good gold nuggets, right? Paul actually says it like this in 2 Corinthians. He says, state, he states this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That we would look inward and ask the question, am I keeping his commandments? How am I looking? You know, am I, am I looking to, you know, these people or am I looking to Christ? And we are given yet a measure of the faith. I know him, so I follow him. Jesus says it like this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Right? You know, it's not, you know, keeping this standard and, you know, fighting it. You know, don't, you know, that's legalism, right? Legalism can't stop sin, right? It can hold it back maybe for a time, but it will encroach and it will come in through a different door or window. But if we live in the love of God and if we abide in that joy of God, then it's life. It's not just holding a line. It's, it's life more abundantly. You know, the walk of a believer is fellowship with God, which is an abiding relationship with him. 
And if the believer is about walking in the ways of the Lord, then they are blessed to abide in his love. John states this in verses four and five. He says, whoever says, I know him. I think of almost a little kid like, yeah, I, I know I know him, right? You know, Do you really? <laughs> but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. John tells of those that stand against the scripture and say they know God, right? You know, they can, they can state, you know, yeah, I, I know and I know everything about him and, and yet they, you know, no, wait, hey, you know, doesn't this say that? Oh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> I was misinterpreted or something, right? They say they know God, but they are found out to be liars because they stand against Scripture and the truth is not in them. Because this is his standard, right? This is his breathed out word that we look at and say, renew my mind, transform my heart, Lord. May I live according to your commandments. This is yet another big, bold line between us and the world, the isms, the religions, because they disagree with God about sin, salvation, and Jesus. You can look through any book about, you know, religions, cults, and occults. They will have an opinion about Jesus, and they will have an opinion of how you ought to be saved, right? And they all disagree with whom? Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's... That, no, like all religions are the same. Yeah, because they disagree with Jesus. You know, that, that'd be a good, a good point to make. <laughs> I don't know if that would be helpful in the conversation, but we can look at that and say the truth is not in them. They are liars. So if you're planning to study other religions, you know, the work's done for you. There's, there's your paper. <laughs> Whoever keeps the word of Christ... The love of God is perfected. Please turn in your Bibles with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. It's fun to look as, as we are going through John. There's parts that, you know, he's like almost commentating on. Whereas like I was even reading Galatians this morning and like Galatians 3 is like a commentary on Paul telling us, this is why the law exists. This is what the law is about. And this is like, this is what Jesus is talking about in, in John 14. Verses uh, 15 through 17 state this. Jesus is stating this. If, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Whom, can, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or, or, nor knows him. You know him for he dwells in you and will be in you. If we love Christ Jesus, then we will listen to him, we'll learn from him, we'll follow him and we will not be alone in this, in our struggle against the world, the flesh and the devil. No, we will have a helper. I love that word for the Holy Spirit, right? 
the Holy Spirit who, who seals us as a guarantee for the day of salvation will lead us into all truth. We had it before Google was cool. Look at me. Hey, what is it? <laughs> no. Down in verses 23 and 24, the, the Lord goes on in this, in this message, but I really wanted to point, point this out of that being perfected part. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home in him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father, the Father's who sent me. You know, the awesome thing is that justification brings union with God, right? We have, we have union. We're protected. We're in Christ. But abiding, abiding in Jesus is something else. It's communion. Communion can be broken, right? Communion can be something that, that, you know, we're, you know, in a state of discipline, like we did something that we ought to do or we did something that we shouldn't have done, right? The sins of omission or commission. But as we walk through life with God, that we would abide with him, that we would have communion with him and that he would abide with us and in us throughout life. You know, this is the question that John keeps on bringing forward in his, in his little letter. Are we walking in the obedience of the light of God's word? Right? There might be things that we don't understand and we don't get, but how are we doing with the things that are clear? Right? That's the, like, yeah, you know, the, the hard heart check question. John ends in verse 6 with this. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I love that. You know, whoever, the whoever is, is able to trust Jesus. The whoever is, is able to abide in Jesus, right? There's no distinction. All have sinned and all are able to come to the throne of grace. And now whoever comes to that truth of who Christ is and what he has done for him and enters the household, right? As, as we've talked earlier, the gospel of John brings us in past the threshold and now we're in the household in 1 John. As we abide in him, we ought to walk in the same way he walked. You know, we, we hear people say a lot of stuff in our day and age, right? We can, you can hear a lot about hobbies and, and different interests, and you can be an expert on this or that. I mean, just get on YouTube for five seconds and Google something you're interested in, and you'll have 10 people talking to you about how to make a salad this way and that way, right? Or how to drive a car or how to... Sh the, sh the snow shoveling was cool. How to not hurt your back while snow shoveling was a fancy one. And this guy literally, he ties a string on it and then lifts the snow shovel up. And I didn't try it. I didn't want to, but I was like, that's an interesting video. I did a different one. <laughs> but there's tons of different opinions and interests and experts out there. But when the rubber meets the road here in Christ, what do we really know? What, what are we doing? How do we measure up not to, you know, this or that and, and being the, you know, as we talked about even last week, being better 
better do-gooders than the last do-gooder, right? No, our standard is, is Christ, is running after him. In the life of a believer in Christ, our walk is what matters. One Bible teacher put it like this, Warren Wiersbe. It's easy to talk the Christian life, but God wants the walk. You know, we can and could see it as a task, right? Something that, you know, oh, went to church, woohoo, got done with that, right? <laughs> Something to check off in our daily lives. Oh, I had my Bible reading. Okay, we're good. But grace, grace is offered to you and to me. It's an amazing part. That whole, that whole joy part, the joy of the Lord stuck out. Christ calls to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Every day. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are urged in this. We are called to this. We are to proclaim this because truth will set us free, right? Truth will set us free. Now, I love the fact that Jesus brings us peace no matter the circumstances. You know, Paul tells us like this, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. That's Ephesians 4.1. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I don't know about Romans, but most, at least those three, if not Galatians as well, were written from a prison cell. Paul was in prison. That was his circumstance. But he understood that that is where God had him. He was sent forth to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. That's the mission that he's told in Acts 9. He urges the church to walk worthy of the calling in which we have been called. That we would make the choice to walk in the Lord, fully pleasing to him, not to ourselves, but to him. And to be about bearing fruit in every good work and to increase in the knowledge of God. Paul tells the Colossian church this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now that's the choice. That's the choice between before any church, any and every church, the church, the local representative, the, the whole of the church throughout the world, that, that those that have received Jesus can now abide or face discipline, as Hebrews talks about. Those that have received Jesus can be rooted and built up, or they can be disjointed. And we can be built up, or we can be tossed by waves and every wind of unsoundness. 
We can be established in him or we can be a part of the chaos of the world around us. We can be taught or we can gather up teachers to tickle our own ears. The choice is clearly laid out throughout the letters of the New Testament that the choice is ours. Will we heed Jesus is the question. Please turn in your Bibles with me. Hey, Elijah, you want to come read Luke 9 for me? Yeah? That's okay. We got it. Luke 9. Luke 9, 23 through 27. And this is going back to what Jesus said earlier. We are to deny ourselves daily. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into his glory and the glory of the Father and his holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Jesus was starting the church, the kingdom of God, spreading out and coming into the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere throughout the world via the church. See, as part of the body of Christ, we will face judgment. This is not a judgment of salvation, a judgment of heaven and hell. No, we have that ticket. We have that, right? Because Jesus has paid it all. And for those that are trusting in him, they are born again and they are free forever. Now the question is, now that we know him, how will we give an account of our lives here in the house? How are we... How are we to do that? When we stand there, will we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or as Paul talks about later, will we enter heaven by the skin of our teeth? We will give an account of our deeds and our words to him. So let us walk as we ought to. Let us be about pleasing the king who came for us. Let us not be ashamed of him but let us stand in him and proclaim him that others might find life. You know, as one preacher said it, you know, Christianity is like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. He is the source of life, period. Explanation mark, right? All others are false. All other isms and religions will not provide the way. When we ask if this world is broken, we can say, yes, it's broken. Well, how do we fix it? Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. Let's close in a word of prayer. 
Oh, Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for everything that you have given us, Lord. And we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. That we can wake up and, and be here is such a blessing. A blessing to fellowship and to pray with one another and to learn from your word and to learn about even other worldviews that are out there, but that we would know so that we would be able to pray for the POWs captured by those systems, that we would be able to care for them and that we would able be able to share the truth of who Christ is and what you have done for them, Lord. That we would offer hope amidst the chaos. That, Lord, that we would be established and rooted in you. That we would ask that question, you know, how's, how's your walk? Even, even to ourselves, Lord. And to just be on the same page. To have the same mindset. To know how you walked and to be about it. Not keeping your commandments in a, in a legalistic standard, but in a joyous standard of there's so much life abundantly over here in Christ that we ought not to enjoy other things on the other side of that. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for this little letter of First John. Thank you for our time in it for this opportunity to be to be together today I'll be with everyone as they go uh, throughout their day and throughout this next week and so in the name of Jesus we pray amen